Women on Screen Out Loud is proudly supported by Company 3 Toronto. Company 3 is the leading post-production provider to the world's top content creators. Welcome to Women on Screen Out Loud, giving a platform to women in the film industry who challenge, motivate, and inspire on all sides of the camera. We are your hosts, Lara Jean Korostecki and Jennifer Pogue. Were you ever told in youth that you were too chatty, too bossy, too curious? Instead of conforming, how could those energies be channeled for empowerment and support for your future? Pulling from her own experiences in her essay, she believed she could, so she did. Executive VFX producer Krista Tazio-Morson breaks down essential building blocks necessary in nurturing the leaders of tomorrow. Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, June 6. 1974, 3.25 a.m. After a previous day of laying sod and a Chinese food dinner from the pagoda, James Tazio drives his tan-colored Oldsmobile at breakneck speeds down Hamilton streets headed towards St. Joseph's Hospital. His wife Sandra has her feet up on the dashboard, a large baby bump obstructing her view of the small protrusion pushing against the crotch of her slacks. James whips into the emergency room parking lot, barely puts the car in park before Sandra jumps out and squats, screaming, desperately trying not to give birth. Active labor! The nurse yells. Before James can get scrubbed and dressed in his gown, the doctor hands him a 7-pound, 12-ounce, brown-eyed baby girl with a full head of thick brown hair. Krista Nicole Tazio, younger sister to Matthew, fifth grandchild and only granddaughter to Carmen and James Tazio, fourth grandchild to Stella and Nicholas Siri, is born at 3.56 a.m., 36 minutes after Sandra woke James to inform him that her water broke. Just as I came into the world, so too do I approach opportunities and my career in general with confidence and vigor. Was it being born in the year of the tiger or was it cultivated? Born to a working-class family, It was never apparent which way my career path would go. I was not directed in any certain way by my parents, other than to be the best you can be. Okay, fine. I will say that a career in the arts and technology was not a discussion point at dinner, but not because it wouldn't be accepted. Rather, it wasn't known that those options existed or that they would be choices their daughter could consider. Instead, we spoke of becoming a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, mainstream career paths to well-educated positions. How do we empower young minds of tomorrow, especially young women, with confidence and the fortitude to be everything they want and can be? And how do we let them know that a career in technology and the arts, specifically film and television, is possible? Let's explore. I grew up watching the Smurfs, Fraggle Rock, You Can't Do That on Television, Gem, Punky Brewster, Family Ties, The Facts of Life, Miami Vice, Who's the Boss, Seinfeld, Friends, MTV, you name it, I watched it. E.T. was the first movie I could recall being actively engaged in and downright devastated from. I braved Jaws and Children of the Corn with one eye hiding behind a blanket before I turned 10. 
spent my teenage years fully immersed in John Hughes classics, Pretty in Pink, Sixteen Candles, Breakfast Club. I was right behind Rose and Jack flying on the bow in Titanic, was forever moved by Tom Hanks in Philadelphia, clung to Clarice Starling's words in Silence of the Lambs, could not contain myself laughing at Dumb and Dumber. Pulp Fiction, Fight Club, Trainspotting, Magnolia, Clerks, Crash, Casino, Swingers, Shawshank Redemption. I mean, come on. That's some great television and filmmaking right there. And yet, I never knew how these shows and movies came to be or who worked behind the scenes to bring them to life. I knew I loved watching them, but there was never a thought in my head that I could conceivably be part of making these epic stories with a career in film and television. Outside of the Saturday morning cartoons, after-school specials, and going to the movies, I largely explored the world via extracurricular activities, especially sports and dance. Cheering on my brother at his rep hockey games with an old fleecy bottle filled with rocks while being carted around to all of Southern Ontario hockey rinks taking on full-blown slap shots like a pro with pucks wheeling by at 30 miles per hour down the driveway as my brother perfected his shot, playing soccer on an all-boys team long before gender equality was a mainstream term. I always thought we were on the same team. There was no gender divide. Backcatcher for a girls' baseball team, calling plays for the pitcher and team, rocking out in jazz class, and tapping my way to freedom in every recital, dressed in a neon pink getup only the 80s could deliver on. Teenage wasteland. I engaged in more sports and, of course, lots and lots of socializing with friends, hanging out at the mall, football games, school dances, house parties, bush parties, concerts. I was given the independence and freedom to make choices, good and not so good. Always knowing that I had the support of family and, more importantly, from a solid group of friends. It wasn't until... Well, now, that I can look back and see that these experiences were essential building blocks to building relationships, participating in a community, learning to collaborate with others in a team environment, strategizing plays, achieving success, wins, or gracefully accepting rejection and defeat, analyzing what I can improve on, and coming back stronger the next time. The framework for resiliency. From an educational perspective, I never excelled at math or the sciences. I had the fundamental skill set to get by, but that interest and ability really halted when calculus and algebra curriculums expanded with complex equations, at that time around grade 10. I did, however, excel at communications and the humanities. Early report cards were always marked with a, Krista talks too much, or Krista needs to work on quiet time. Looking back, I wonder how we can change these comments to redirect a child's natural affinity towards communication. How many times have you heard similar notes? Simone is bossy at times. Olivia likes to run the show with her friends. All too often, our instincts are to have the child conform. Perhaps we should recognize that these can be indicators of a child's inherent talents, those that they can expand upon and build a successful career with. Instead of quelling their voices and curiosity, let's work to channel that energy in a different way. Let's look to foster their confidence and empower young girls to use their voices in positive ways. Don't stop talking. Don't stop expressing your opinions. Don't stop running the show. That's going to take you places someday. All my life, 
I never thought twice about pushing forward and going for something that was propelling me in a certain direction. I thought that this determination was bred into me, yet, reflecting, I see that while there was a spark that might have been genetic, it was ignited and fanned by an upbringing supported by family, teachers, and friends alike. Born from the experiences I was involved in, born from the knowledge of opportunity, born from building resiliency. So how do we utilize our past experiences to develop and empower the leaders of tomorrow? The young women who do not know that a career in film and television is possible, the communicators, the relationship connectors, the community builders. The leaders of today need to push the boundaries for the leaders of tomorrow, utilizing our strengths in skill, knowledge, experience, and emotion to lead by example. To provide a vision of what the up-and-coming generations can be, what a young woman can be, if she so desires. We need to champion emerging talent with action and execution. Nurture what's known as the 2% mindset, where only 2% of the population go for their dreams with confidence and excitement, and 98% of the population settle. Teachers, friends, family, everyone, recognizing that we all play a role. We need to encourage the leaders of tomorrow to have an independent mind, take initiative, be passionate and opinionated. Learn to recognize their limitations while bringing vision with courage, integrity, humility, and focus. We need to teach them to cooperate, be active listeners, be empathetic, to utilize strategic thinking skills, and not to be afraid to express creativity. And more importantly, to be flexible and willing to adapt. Be resilient, willing to fail, and try again. Let them know what imposter syndrome is and how it plays a role in our mindsets, how it rears its head as an inner critic, the secondary voice doubting your abilities. Am I good enough? I'll never be able to do that. Teach them to quell their inner voice and do it anyways. You are good enough and you can do that. We need to develop curriculum and opportunities that introduce career possibilities outside of the mainstream roles at a young age. Let's hear eight-year-old Laurie proclaim, I want to be a re-recording mixer. Or 10-year-old Genevieve say, I'm going to create cool visual effects you can watch on TV when I grow up. Give them a look behind the scenes at the hundreds of job possibilities required to produce a major motion picture or television series. Let them know that they don't have to be good at math or sciences to work with technology. When we empower and support the young in all facets of their lives, they will succeed. They will instinctually know that they have it in them. We will drive them forward by nurturing their confidence. Paired with maybe a bit of luck and saying yes to opportunity because you never know which way it will take you. She believed she could, so she did. Coming up, Lara Jean and Krista dive into Krista's role models and inspirations, what it means to quell the inner critic, and how she came into her dream career, and more. I am Lara Jean Korstecki, and I'm here with Krista Tazio-Morrison. Krista, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. You're in your old home right now. Yeah, it's a bit surreal, uh, but really comfortable. It's nice. So Krista is at Company 3 right now, where she used to be uh, VP of uh, sales, correct? Correct. Yep, that's right. And now you have transitioned. So your new title is? Uh, executive visual effects producer at Rocket Science. Which is amazing because it's still in the post 
community. We'll get back to your post work because it's very exciting and, and important. And as you said in your essay, it's important for us to know and impart to others that there are so many jobs that make up the landscape of being able to be in this industry and contribute to this industry. And it's, again, with this podcast, it's very important to us as well that we let others know about all the different vocations you can have. But to start at the top, this essay for us almost read at times like it was both like this inspiring life story and almost like a valedictorian address. And let me elaborate there. We thought about like it's so passionate and it was a blueprint in some ways for like young women graduating any variety of things, life transitions or education or even coming out of this pandemic to remember to have that goal mindset. And what really permeates every part of this essay is this belief in one's worth. So where for you does that beautiful desire and need to inspire and lift others up come from? Oh, wow. That's a good one. Um, well, I think that, you know, for me, uh, I think that it's it's really about in, empowering the young and 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 helping them to build their confidence. I think, you know, not to say that I don't see that <laughs> happening. I, I just think that the more you can enforce it and have people support it, then, you know, we will be building leaders of tomorrow. You know, we will be building the resiliency that that you need in life, right? And and mean in any vocation, not just, you know, in mm. film and television. So, you know, I, I don't know, maybe it's just a, it, it's just felt like a, a personal point that I, I wanted to make out there that, you know, this confidence, this uh, drive doesn't always just come from an educational setting. It can come from other avenues like sports mm. or dance mm -hmm. or experiencing the world through different lenses and, you know, through different friends and family. And so it's really experience that helps, you know, lend itself to that overall confidence too. Yeah. I love how much you talked about, like, as you just said, the sports and the dance and, and all the different ways in which your quote unquote regular life has led to this artistic life behind the scenes. Did you have any role models growing up? Your family seems to play such a large role in your life, even if they, they didn't necessarily know that this career was possible for you, but how have they affected your mindset? Yeah, I think it was just really about independence, you know, giving me the independence to find out who I wanted to be and who I and who I am, you know, and and the freedom to explore that in every avenue and to succeed or to fail and then to get up and and try again and you know, really I see that as a privilege, you know, mm. to have had that that type of support. And nowadays we do talk about different avenues for, for girls, young girls to, to get into different careers and tend to sort of silo the, the young very early into the career path that they're going to go into. And mm -hmm. I think sometimes it's just keeping your options open. Sometimes your career finds you. You know, if you just say yes to something you never know or something a little bit different and not be afraid that if you do say yes, that it won't be accepted by your family or by your friends. You know, you can just try it, do it. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, you go in another direction. I love that idea of permission to fail. And what you just said there, I just like, mm, shivers inside that sometimes your career finds you. 
talk about how your career founded you. You have how did your commitment to believing in your own worth translate into this career? Talk about talk about what you do. Yeah, I mean it's a bit of an odd story because I was. Uh, on that trajectory to a mainstream career path, thought I was going to be a lawyer, mm. and then got into it, got into my post-secondary education, and then had that moment where I was like, hmm, I don't know, not feeling it. I wasn't, I wasn't feeling it. So, you know, I finished my undergraduate at McMaster and then did that take a year, try and figure it out. And I wouldn't say that it was that year that you really made it. It was sitting down, you know, on having a piece of paper in front of me and writing everything I love to do in my life and everything that I maybe don't love to do or don't mm. really, you know, migrate towards that helped me to figure out that I did like being creative, but I definitely had a business sense to me. Um, so I was, you know, left brain, right brain balanced, I guess you can say, <laughs> looking back now. And I was working at a at a financial firm and I just said, oh God, I can't, I can't do this. It's not for me. I mean, it's a great career, but I was missing something. So, you know, went back to school and started getting into marketing sales and started that way and ended up working client side at an animation and visual effects company. Mm. And found my groove. I was like, this is it. This is where you get to mix both worlds, where you get to bring the business strategy of what I learned in my undergraduate studies with creativity and technology. When I talk to other women in technology, or I just did a talk at Girls in Tech, and sitting on a panel of computer engineers was really interesting because I was the only one that didn't come into this career from a, you know, science, uh, math and science perspective. So I think it's important to teach people or not teach people, but to get the word out there that you don't have to have that trajectory. Mm. You can find something that marries, you know, one or two things that you like to do in a, in a career. You were a huge part of championing I'm going to take that again. My dog also is like, please pay attention to me right now. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> oh, Fred. You were a huge part of championing this podcast and welcoming us into Company 3. So thank you. We're grateful for that support. Why was that important to you to come on board both as a sponsor and then as a guest? I mean, I believe in in, in what you're doing. I, I, believe, I believe in, uh, you know, women being able to voice themselves. And, you know, for me, like, you know, when I said yes, and let's do this, I honestly didn't know how rewarding it was going to be. Mm. You know, I haven't sat down to write an essay since my university days. So it, it was interesting to kind of take yourself back in, into that. But I think also my hopes in saying yes, and, and when I listened to the different podcasts, it was hearing the passion, hearing the different stories, hearing the diversity, really just being proud of all the different avenues, all the different women, all the different experiences, this mosaic. Uh, it's, it's really cool. And personally, I like to be part of the community. I think community just helps bring everything together and into perspective. So for all those reasons, you know, I, I, I wanted to support it. I also remember when Jen and I met with you and James, the passion that you really had for the post community and making sure that people know about all the jobs that are available in post. And as you say, we've already spoken to the balance between the business and creative and encouraging people to know that there are others. 
What does it look like to you to not settle? Are there any defining moments in your journey where you were able to quell that inner critic or imposter syndrome and not settle? Oh, sure. I mean, every day, you know, <laughs> every day, you know, it's it's something that I think um, a large majority of us face as part of the human condition to sort of question what you're doing, question if you have the skills, you know, mm. to, to get where you want to be, the fake it till you make it type thing. Yeah, I, I can't say that there's really any one particular, you know, time or situation that stands out. I think that it's just always telling yourself that you can do this and, and you're prepared and and or as prepared as you can be sometimes <laughs> and driving and driving forward right and mm-hmm. and knowing that you know sometimes like you know I said before you know I feel confident that I can fail and and I have and I do fail on a daily basis but I just keep going and be confident that eventually you know I'll not fail <laughs> <laughs> Or or learn to fail well. Yeah, there um, you go. There's a great podcast that I listen to a lot called How to Fail with Elizabeth Daly, and, and it, it talks about people's failures, and failing well is really a theme. We love the content on little Krista and her report cards and everything that went into <laughs> all the young women and, and encouraging the different qualities that we have as being seen as positive instead of, you know, this negativity. Is there anything to end off our time together today? Day that you would say to little Krista if you could? I, I would tell little Krista, keep doing, keep doing little Krista. I <laughs> I was I was a bit of a force, you know. I, I really didn't have much awareness, <laughs> <laughs> which is a good thing, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't say that I'd I'd go back and and change change a thing. I mean, I'm really proud of, you know what I've been able to accomplish and definitely proud of the people that helped me get to where I am and, you know, really look forward to tomorrow and where that goes. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Really appreciate it. This has been fantastic and you've all been great. Thank you. With longstanding roots in visual effects and post-production as a producer and executive, Krista Tazio-Morrison is credited with work on the Academy Award-winning feature Spotlight and the Emmy Award-winning television series Game of Thrones and The Handmaid's Tale. Other notable credits include Ready or Not, Lock and Key, The Umbrella Academy, and Suicide Squad. A founding board member and past chair of the Visual Effects Society Toronto, Krista is an active member of the Toronto production community. She holds a publicly appointed seat on the City of Toronto Film Board, the Ontario Creates Advisory Council, and is a Woman in Film and Television Engagement Committee member. Thank you, Krista, for joining us from Company 3 today. Be sure to check out future episodes of Women on Screen Out Loud wherever you get your podcasts, and check out upcoming events and initiatives from Women on Screen at womenonscreen.ca. Until next time, I'm Lara Jean Korostecki. And I'm Jennifer Pogue. And we are Women, Women on Screen. screen. Thank you to Company 3 Toronto for hosting us and for continuing to support women on screen. This podcast was created and produced by Lara Jean Korostecki and Jennifer Pogue. Executive produced by Farah Marani, Lauren McKinley, and Kira Murphy. With original music by Erica Percunier. Sound captured by Devin Doucette. And sound mixed by Arturo Fuenmayor at Company 3 in Toronto.